Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about taking your time? Phil? Phil? Shh. Don't rush me. Don't rush me to an answer. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your planning host, which will make sense in a few seconds, Phil. And I am your urgent host, Senda. First, Senda, we need to talk about the world's greatest role-playing game, The Zine. Oh my gosh, boy, do we. So the world's greatest role-playing game, The Zine, is a zine dedicated to supporting the fifth edition of the world's most popular RPG, but with an indie spin, which, uh, woohoo. Uh-huh. Created by Jen Adcock from Gnome Stew and Todd Crapper, who's not from Gnome Stew, but would love a shot if he's ever given a chance. Two words. <laughs> Guest article. Uh-huh. Um, right? John Arcadian. The W. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. WGRG, the zine, which WGRG sounds like a uh, East Coast uh, television station. WGRG AccuWeather 14. Anyway. Okay, cool. Um, WGRG The Zine looks to bring some of the great indie mechanics and story game ideas that have been circulating along the fringes of the market and merge them with 5E's adaptable rule set. Yes. So the important thing here is that the Kickstarter is going to be running from October 29th to November 27th. Help support developing things like... Investigation mechanics. Relationship and social conflict rules. Even a metagame of players taking on the role of fictional characters playing 5e using PBTA rules. What? I mean, yeah, you heard that, right? Because with this zine, anything is possible with the world's greatest role-playing game. On to tonight's topic, which comes from fellow gnome and uh, Coloradan J.T. Evans, who asks, What do you do if the players are taking their time overanalyzing, hitting analysis paralysis, or just take making too damn many plans? And there are two aspects to this question. In game time, how do you up the pressure, raise the stakes, and create a sense of urgency from within the game itself? Real lifetime, how do you keep the players from eating up three hours of a four-hour session with planning and preparation? Yep. Well, so that's the whole thing. And uh, Phil, Mr. Planning, so uh, you got that, that second question? I've got the second question if you've got the first question. Yeah, cool. Let's set this up for discussion. Cool. At the center of these two questions, we are talking about how to handle the pacing of a game. Yeah. In the first question, we're looking at creating and maintaining a sense of urgency in order to keep the players from taking a more relaxed approach to a scene or a story or a session. Yeah. And in the second part of uh, JT's question, we're looking at how to keep the plot of the game progressing and not get stuck in a kind of meta planning phase, right? Where we're not doing anything else and we're not moving the plot forward. Right. So both of these issues affect the players as well as the characters. Ultimately, the characters can't do anything without the players and thus the urgency we need to apply has to affect more than just the character itself. It has to also affect the players as the people sitting at the table. Yeah, we, we actually have to get almost like a little bleed. Yeah, on, intentional. On that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
and when it comes to planning and prep, uh, we know from uh, we know from actual playing games that this can be like a really slow and tedious process, and it um, it's a function of how groups operate, right? So it's a it's a combination of a couple different things, right? Because you're working together to like initiate problem solving, right? So, but not just you as an individual, you problem solving as a group, which means you're also engaging your ability to collaborate as a group on that problem solving. And you may or may not have leadership at your table. Like that's just a thing. There might be someone who's good a leader. There might not be. Yeah. So planning is a collaborative process and thus the more proficient a group is at working collaboratively, the faster this process goes. But often this is not the case, right? People aren't really super good at working collaboratively. And and there are actually some other issues that we'll talk about in a little bit about why um, planning and role-playing games is so fraught um, mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with it going long and being complicated. But it can often become a long, drawn-out process before the group is willing to go from a planning phase to an action phase, right? Yes. Cool. So with that understanding around pacing... Let's jump into JT's two questions. Yeah. So first, let's talk a bit about urgency in the game, right? So urgency being the importance requiring um, swift action, right? With urgency, we're looking to spur the characters into some sort of swift action. There is something imminent. Yep. So in game, how do we create that urgency so that players will feel like they need to take that swift action? Right. JT actually gave us some of the methods. So we're going to share our best techniques for each of those um, and just kind of give you some ideas about how to actually employ those at the table. Right. Um, The first one being to up the pressure. I like upping the pressure. It's fun. Um, And one of the best ways to do it, one of the fun ways to do it, um, is to have a timer at the table for some event in a game that they can see, right? It's always going to create a sense of pressure because now you know there's a timeline. Um, It can be a timer that's part of the game itself or a timer that you add to the game. You can have it move up and down, right? So that you have like overall pressure for the adventure and they can adjust it and it can fluctuate. Or it can be like the first game that Camden ever ran for me in which he set a kitchen timer down on the table and said, when this beeps, you will die. Yeah. Oh, boy. Talk about urgency. Talk about urgency, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, Another example could be like a timer indicating when, um, you know, when the stars align that the time is right for the cult to cast their ritual to awaken the great sleeping one. Yeah. And, um, you know, we might just put like a D6 down on the table um, and increment it during the course of the adventure, right? So, you know, just one to two to three. I actually have a ridiculous size D6 that is like perfect for this, right? Right. It's 96 millimeter D6. Super visible. And when you make changes to it, everybody's like, (gasps) Exactly. Yep. (laughs) So yeah. absolutely, that is uh, timer is a great way to up the pressure. Tell me about what to do to raise the stakes. Yeah, raising the stakes can be done with twists and revelations, or twists or revelations. I think that's my new lasers and feelings hack: twists and revelations. Anyway, uh, twists are an unexpected change of the plot that changes the way things are moving in a way that the players were not expecting it to happen, right? Yeah. So, um, for example, the NPC that was with the party um, that was like their guide is actually a member of the cult. And when the party finds the relic, 
that NPC waylays the party and makes off with the artifact. Right. We ended my last Swords Without Master on a moment of discovering that potentially one of the characters is a traitor. <gasps> right. Yes. Um, revelations are things that were not known to the players, but through play become understood. So this is related to twists, but it's more about a lack of knowledge or a misunderstanding of, of what they're basically you know, dealing with. Yep, absolutely. So, um, like, the players believe that from their reading of the ancient tome that the stars will align in three days' time. But, like, after finding some, like, additional texts and getting some clarity with some of the words, they discover that this civilization considered a day to be only 12 hours and the rituals is in the next day and a half. Right. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> Yeah, that's not, and that's kind of a twist, right? But a revelation is, um, it's really like it was always a day and a half. You just didn't know it. Right. It was going to happen in a day and a half, even if you didn't discover this information. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, how about uh, how about creating a sense of urgency? Right. Cool way to do it. Soft move, right? You can create urgency in a scene by making what in Powered by the Apocalypse we would call a soft move, but you can use that, you know, other places, right? So that's when you describe something that's going to happen unless someone takes action to stop it. Um, the characters can then choose, or the, the players, the characters, either or, right, can choose to either take that action to stop it or try to stop it, or they can just let it happen. If they choose to stop it, they're using their actions to do things, you know, to actively stop it. Urgently. If they do nothing, you can make it happen or make something else that's already happening get worse or make it worse because they're not acting on it. Yeah. So, for example, character knocks a torch out of a cultist's hand and then it rolls across the floor towards the stockpile of gasoline jugs. <gasps> Dun dun dun! Right, like, do they dive and pull? Like, do they do they do they like leap over there and kick the torch away, or do they let the torch reach the gasoline jugs and take their chances on whether they'll explode or not? Right, fun times. Fun times. That'll. <laughs> I mean, that'll make some urgency. That'll do something. Yeah, they have to make some kind of urgent decision because there is an imminent threat. Yeah. Right. So, so to sum up, we talked about timers. Yep. Twists. Yep. Revelations, Revelations mm -hmm. and the soft move. Yep. Those are some of Sweet. the fun ways to do that at the table. Okay. So, Phil, we figured out those ways to make the players sweat in-game. How do you deal with the analysis paralysis over planning, way too much planning time issue? Yep. Absolutely. And you know I love, you know I love planning. I know you love planning, but I know right. that you probably don't enjoy doing it for five hours at a table in a game. I actually don't, right? Yeah. Like, I, I like to do it in real life. I like to do it a whole lot less in my games. Yes. Issues with planning and preparation are a function of the players trying to emulate how competent the characters are. Yeah, because in many games, the characters, they have some level of competence, right? Like, that's part of what's fun about them is that they have a level of competence that we ourselves may not possess. And the, I mean, there are games where this is not true. And the advice that we're about to give about this may not hold up for those particular circumstances. So we are coming at this from a, a point of assuming competence of the characters. Yeah. So, um, you know, like something like if you were playing zero level DCC, right? Like there's right. no assumption of competence no. for those characters. Um, whereas in Fate, um, Fate actually tells you that characters are uh, are competent. Yeah. Right. Like that's an established fact um, of the game. Okay. So. What all this means is about emulating competence is that um, when 
a group of characters are facing a complex problem, like um, how to break into a place, how to steal the gem from the you know Baroness, whatever. The characters, if they were real, would possess the competence to be able to to put this plan together. Yes. But yes, <laughs> because those characters are actually not real uh-huh. and just constructs and controlled by the people at the table, those people may not have the skills necessary to plan a, a close quarter combat, a starship heist or whatever, right? They're just people who have like day jobs. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, that don't often involve these things. So compound that with the fact that um, planning these kinds of things always involves imperfect or missing information, right? Like, we know there's a ship, but we don't know exactly what the floor plans are or where it's going to, you know, or how fast it's going to go, whatever. So now, take imperfect and missing information and mix it with a group of people who don't actually have the skills that the characters have, and this is where everything starts to bog down. This is why... Uh, players get locked into planning like these deep planning things because they start trying to like trying to work the problem without the skill and without most of the information right right they just they get stuck in a loop right thinking through different scenarios and possibilities and that's where you can you know work them straight into full-blown analysis paralysis because there are so many possibilities and they don't have all of the information They just don't, right? But they're trying to get the whole plan right for the first time because they're trying to be as competent as their characters would be, right? But that doesn't work. (laughs) Right. And and this is because most games uh, assume linear time. Yes. Right? So most games assume that at the time you plan is uh, when you're done planning and you go into action, that that's it. Like you have what you have. Yeah. Right. But we know from other media that the best way to handle unexpected changes, gaps in information and things like that in one of these kind of operations, right, a heist and an assault, whatever, uh, is flashbacks. Yeah. Right. Like TV and movies are like excellent. Like Ocean's Eleven and Leverage, for instance, use flashbacks um, as a tool to kind of show how a twist is undone by stuff that they had done previously. Right. right? It, it showcases exactly how competent they are because they anticipated it, but they don't bother showing it to the audience until it happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what it does then is it it, it it allows you to feign competence, right? So um, by using a mechanic that creates a flashback. And, and that is the best way to deal with this problem, which is to port in a rule to your game or write up a house rule that allows for some sort of flashback. And often this is some sort of currency or resource spent to get a flashback scene. And what this lets you do is like the players, you know. Uh, sneak through and they're all set. They're going to, you know, they've brought all their electronic lock picks and they break into the Baroness's house. They break into her room in order to steal the jewels only to find a like steampunk looking safe. Right. Right. Nothing that they've brought with them in their planning phase has prepared them for this moment. 
But if you have such a rule, then the players can be like, cool, I spend a point of inspiration, fate point, Benny, whatever. And of course we knew the Baroness, you know, bought this house from, you know, Steam Lord, whatever. So uh, we also brought with us a set of tools for picking pneumatic locks. Right. And then you would be like, awesome, cool. Resource spent, very smart, uh, and on your way. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that rule does a lot, right? But tell me about uh, a couple games that are really good with this mechanism. Right. So Forged in the Dark games use it really effectively, right? Absolutely. Um, and games like Leverage and The Sprawl, I haven't played either of those yet, so I'm going to take your word sure. for it. Um <laughs> But basically, these games have mechanics that allow the players to make a simple plan and then just run into it, right, and go with it, and then flash back when they need to to come up with a solution for the current problem, but play it out as something they did in the past preparing, which means that they don't have to complete their perfect plan based on the imperfect information. They can have a plan that was perfect that they are basing on now perfect information that they're seeing in front of them. Yeah. And so what happens is that when you have a mechanism like this in your game, then uh, players feel like they have a way to fix the unexpected stuff when they run into it in game. Yeah. They will be more inclined to stop planning and get to the action because they don't have to get it perfect, right? So they'll be like, cool, we have a cool approach. We know what we're doing. Uh, And, you know, when we hit some snags, we'll, you know, we'll burn our willpower points for some flashbacks uh, and we're good to go. Right, exactly. And that will move them right out of planning. Yep. Um, And the best way I can explain this is go play Blades in the Dark or Scum and Villainy because that system for doing jobs requires zero planning. And yet... Player, yet the characters come off completely competent looking. I mean, so I think the thing that it does is it removes the fear of failure because as players, you get narrative control over when you kind of fail and when you decide to resolve it with a flashback based on your resources. But it means that um, it means that you don't have to try and pre-plan to prevent the failures in advance with that imperfect information. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really and that's really the sticking point here, right? Is that when people plan, right, they're they're going through and being like, okay, but what if? Yeah. But what if what the if? Baroness is in the bedroom right. when we go in? So what should we bring some other stuff, right? Yeah. And they go on and on and on. In a game that uses this mechanic the players open the door to the bedroom and find the Baroness brushing her hair. And then they're like, oh, I spend a willpower point. We have brought a sleeping gas grenade. Yes. Right? Like, because we anticipated that the Baroness might be in her room yep. at the point when we did this. Or, you know, uh, if you're using a flashback where you can also retcon some stuff, you might be like, oh, uh, I'm going to spend a point. The Baroness isn't in the room because our our guy on the inside whisked her away to the uh, wine cellar to show her a very expensive fake bottle of wine that we set up because she can never resist uh, a new wine. Right. Where I, I mean, it's in, in the first example. It's it's not even so much like we thought that she might be here. It's like ah, oh, yes, we knew that she would. Yeah, be of course, here at this she time would be here. Day, and so we brought. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's a couple different ways you can do it. I highly recommend the rules from the Forge in the Dark games do this absolutely um, the best. The rules for the sprawl have a way to do this, but it basically just gives you a bonus to one of your to to a roll on an existing move or some narrative positioning, both of which are good. Um, but Forge in the Dark games really nail this down in a really smooth way. So I highly recommend, even if you're not interested in playing the games, go look at Blades in the Dark, go look at uh, Scum and Villainy. Um, those two have very great uh, explanations of how flashbacks work. And in fact, actually, the whole job thing is really a good uh, framework that should totally be ripped off and adapted for other games. Like, it is really a model for... if. If gumshoe is to investigations, forged in the dark is to heists. I mean, I, I will bring up one more interesting one that we didn't mention, which is one last job, right? Because the sure, way, that's your specialty. That's Tell my me specialty. about that. So, so the reason that I bring that one up is because one last job as the GM, you don't actually plan things. You say, okay, players, plan what your plan is. Tell me what the obstacles are and how you're going to overcome them. And then literally as the GM, I'm just writing down, okay, so this is the bad guy and this is what the other thing is. And then like, and then I, as the GM, get to add one twist to that scene that they didn't anticipate. But like, basically, they just sit there and tell you what's going to happen. And then they just go in and that is what happens. There's one twist that you can engage as the GM if you choose to or need to. But other than that, they're just rolling against the scenario that they created, which means as players, they actually had 90% perfect knowledge of what was going to happen because they told me what was going to happen. Like they actually created that scene, which is like a different weird way to get around that. But that one is um, harder to port in other games. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, that one's probably far more story. Like, it is. If, yeah. Like if I was going to do this, if I was uh, if I was Jen Adcock and um, Todd Crapper and I wanted to, you know, put this in my zine, like I would definitely take the forged and fire framework Flashbacks. for jobs. I think I well, think what it does yeah. is this is this is emphasizing that like there are two problems at play. One is um, how can we plan for the level of competence that we should be? And the other one is how can we plan with imperfect information? One last job solves for the imperfect information. And mm -hmm. flashbacks solve for how can we plan to the level of competence that we should be. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they both kind of solve for both, but like one emphasizes the solution on the imperfect information. One emphasizes the solution in terms of the competence. Yep. The other one I would recommend is from Knights Black Agents, the preparedness skill. Yeah. The preparedness skill is more of a have the right thing at the right time. It, it kind of, um, the sprawl has a uh, one like that as well. It's uh, spending a gear tag. Uh, spending a gear to get a piece of gear for narr for narrative positioning. So that's also a good one. But yeah, those mechanics just like once you have those mechanics available to players, players will calm down about planning. Yeah. Um, they're only over planning because they think they only get one shot to get this right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so JT, we hope these tips help, including the rant uh, about planning and flashbacks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and based um, based on the count in Audacity, um, <laughs> I'm starting to feel the urgency of ending the show. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Sure. On the lounge, Doc finds the best, the brightest, the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what conversation is going to come up on the lounge, other than mm -hmm. it's going to be, like, cool. And Doc, and Doc, Doc and will be there. Doc is great, yeah. Doc will yeah. be there. 
Say, Santa, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. Um, you can, for the moment, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. And you can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, the true epicenter of our long-winded topic collection, etc. And I believe you can still enter to win a She's a Super Geek dice bag or a um, a Dragon Baggin? Or is it a Cthulhu? It's a Dragon Baggin? I think it's a Cthulhu. It's a Cthulhu. Okay. Well, as some sort of other super awesome dice bag from um, Wayward Masquerade. And uh, and uh, all you have to do is join the forum and then post in the introductory section. Anyway, uh, once you have found us in one of those places, um, you could also email us, panda at misdirectedmark.com if you prefer. But once you have found us in one of those places, Phil, what can they do with that information? Uh, much like JT did, please give us a topic. Um, we love doing shows about the things that you find interesting. And the only way that uh, we can do that is if you share with us your ideas for shows. Send us questions. Send us ideas. Whatever you come up with, pretty good at making shows out of them. We've got a couple different formats that we stick them into. So they go on a big list. And uh, once a week, I pour through that list and pluck out the ones that catch my attention. Yes, send bamboo. Yeah, absolutely. And... In addition, if you like what we do here, elsewhere on the Mr. Dr. Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP, patrons of our show, something like that. Get all sorts of good stuff. You get the bonus outtakes from this show. You get the after show from the Mr. Dr. Mark. You get our show notes, access to our Slack room. Come, um, you can come play Minecraft with us when season three spins up. Get occasional goodies that we sometimes create when we have time. We haven't had a lot of time lately, but we will. I know, for instance, the alpha for the Ditch Lilies rules. When that's ready, that's going to, you know, patrons will get to see that first, and we'll certainly pick our playtesters from the patron groups. But yeah, we like to do that, and we also like to do some shout-outs to our patrons um, each week. Senda, who are we shouting out to this week? Well, we've got uh, Brian Kurtz, the Royal Doctor of Physic. And thank you so much, Brian. Mo, the Tabletop Bellhop. Thanks, Mo, from our uh, sibling podcast over there. And uh, the Space Rhino, which just, that's just cool. I don't know. I don't know exactly what a space rhino is, but I dig it. I, I have, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's imagination provoking. Yes, indeed. Yes, good. Say, um, if you're already back in the Patreon campaign or unable to back the Patreon campaign, which is totally fine, there's a thing you can do that used to be called iTunes, but is <laughs> iTunes no more? What is that thing that you can do? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get actually really does help people find the show, and we super duper duper appreciate them. Apparently, you can review individual episodes, which seems a little wild, but like, if you want to, um, have at it, sure. And yeah, uh, it's super cool. And if you leave it somewhere that's not the uh, U.S. Apple Podcast Store, let us know with any of those contact means that we already said, um, because we really, really like to see what you guys are saying um, and what you're talking about and what you think. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for leaving reviews. Yeah, really. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Anyway, Phil, uh, show me how you're going to change the stakes in your upcoming DCC funnel. Ooh, I got to tell you, the hole in the sky's got a couple of uh, things that changes the stakes along the way. Ooh, there's so. a hole in the sky. Show me what you got. 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 Show
This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloopy. That's the proper clicky. Not that not that head fake shit. <laughs> You didn't say it yet. You weren't supposed to click it yet. I had like an I had a clicky off sides. I was I was just I like I didn't mean to like tease you with the clicking. You head faked me. <laughs> I just for some reason went real slow the first time. <laughs> you head faked me. You were nodding. You went three, two, two and then one. you nodded and. I took it as the as, took it as clicky because that's like Sneezak does that with the <laughs> cold opening so he can get the or he does that with the opening so he can get the noise gate. <laughs> right? So he does you know, he counts down and then on the last counts he doesn't he just does hand signals. I know. He does so yeah, like totally messed me up. Bloop. <laughs> Is this another waveform? I mean I just No, no, you'll figure it out in editing. <laughs> you listen back to that section, you'll be like, Oh <laughs> it's funny. Hey, um, tell me about your sports injury. My small. Can you see it? Um, I can. It's right. It's kind of disturbing. Like it's it's freaky, right? So this is my sports injury. I have a giant purple knuckle. I have a giant purple knuckle because my child was like, "Mom, let's play finger softball," and I was like, "Okay." And it's it's a ping pong ball. It's like very light and plastic, right? It's like not a thing that you would really imagine would hurt you. But apparently I flicked that ping pong ball hard enough or something in the process of attempting to protect the flip-flop that was my goal at the time um, that my entire knuckle is purple. I'm sorry, did you say ping pong softball? Soccer ball soccer ball yeah they yeah. just call it soccer ping pong soccer well the the ping pong ball was a soccer, was the soccer ball. ball yes yes we no, were playing I'm with you finger soccer with there we go again when you go back into ball. editing you'll hear all this <laughs> okay. I, I don't am i not making any it's been a really long day <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just hoping this... you're gonna be a little more coherent when we get into the show i make no promises <laughs> So, <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> I'm noticing another really funny thing, which is that like I've been playing my harp a lot recently, which is fantastic. And then for a little while there, I actually had a blister on one of my fingers because I was regaining the calluses that protect them. Mm-hmm. But now I have like a real callus there, but it's also kind of peeling off a little bit. So there's this weird part of my index finger that on my left hand that I I don't feel anything. Interesting. It's very strange because there's like too much skin there. Too much skin? Bit more skin. Bit more skin. <laughs> That's not disturbing at all. <laughs> this gonna, is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> I'm going to make a... Uh, whatchamacallit? I'm going to make a horror adventure called Bit More Skin. Bit More Skin. <laughs> Didn't somebody kind of already do that? Oh, I don't not know. A, not an adventure. Like, there's a movie about the skins. I haven't seen it. You're going to tell me about it any moment oh, now. You're Thank probably you. talking to, you're talking about Silence of the Lambs. I am talking about Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's like I mean, that movie is that movie's amazing. Like it's terrifying. Um and since you don't like scary movies, you definitely have to like watch it with a chaperone because um, I know I need to watch it with someone gonna, who can like cover my eyes or my yeah, ears I mean, it's, or something. Bloop. <laughs>
anyway, we um, we should do a show because we're like late. Yeah, yeah, we should wrap that thing up and uh, go do show stuff. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. TikTok is taking a bath. Oh wait, that's Splash Splash. Oh my god! <laughs> you could do the beginning of um, <laughs> "Color Me Bad's I Want to Sex You Up." TikTok and you don't stop. Uh, TikTok and you don't stop. Oh yeah, no, it's a thing. Uh-huh. I wanna sex you up. Oh I was yeah. Trying to think of other songs that had TikTok in them. Yeah. Uh, we. You know what? You know what? You know what has TikTok in it? <laughs> you. Our episode. Me start the show. <laughs> our episode has TikTok in it. You we should. Looking we should at go me th- and saying TikTok. <laughs> yeah, TikTok. Times. Times. A, times a wasting. Okay. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Okay, let's just cue some music on that one. And now we're going to have a sense of urgency about the song, huh? Right. <laughs> and I am your um urgent host. <laughs> I like that you, you prompted me and I said it at the same time. <laughs> See, that's not a television station to me. That's a radio station. Uh, could be both, right? Yeah. Um, Coming up next. Coming up next on WGRG Sports Center, <laughs> we'll get the latest scores in finger soccer, no. latest injury reports, no. and then we'll head over to uh, Captain Phil with the uh, with with the traffic report. <laughs> do, 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 do. I know. Do we need to have like a and now into the episode? No, that's the Ken and Robin music when they do ads. That's how oh, they, that's how they, they transition. Do, 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 do. No, no, they don't do it. They have actual musicians. Oh, they-, <laughs> well, they don't do that. Like, that's shit we do. <laughs> I mean, I can do actual music too. Like, I feel like you're just making no, an I'm saying like, they, here. They, they got a guy. Like, they, they got, got a guy. guy. We could yeah, hire a guy. A guy. Yeah. I know a guy. Anyway. We could hire him. Bloop. You can find us on Facebook. Are we still say? Are we? I don't. Are we still saying this words? Facebook. Yes, you can find <laughs> us on Facebook for right now. Until <laughs> we decide otherwise, guys, we're 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 in kind of in the process of slowly, slowly removing Facebook. Anyway, um, ongoing. I I will I will just say okay. Bloop. Oh yeah, my. That's a thing. Uh, show me what you got. 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 Bloop. 38 minutes. I know. You want to hear something cool? Uh. Uh. <laughs> Isn't your kid sleeping next door? Yeah. I don't think you should be banging away on the harp. It's not exactly banging. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like plucking. Bloop. It's more like plucking. Well, you're plucky. <laughs> Bloop. Cool. But anyway, um, why don't we wrap up yeah. and let you go edit this thing and um, go to bed. Editing. All right, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. <sighs>